This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. Our guest this week is Gene Wani, president of the School Nutrition Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Gene Roddy next. America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance now more than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting more than 290 million acres of farmland and more than 130 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Last week, the Senate Agriculture Committee approved compromise language to reform and reauthorize school nutrition programs. Jean Ronnie is Chief Operations Officer at St. Paul Public Schools in Minnesota. She oversees nutrition programs there and is president of the School Nutrition Association. She says the bipartisan compromise will help build on positive changes in school nutrition. Well, I think just the idea that kids are exposed to more fruits and vegetables than they had been in the past, and there's an emphasis on a variety of fruits and vegetables. I remember the day when it was just iceberg lettuce on salads, and now it's kale, it could be romaine and spinach, so all of those more nutritious items being included. And especially when we're talking about a changing demographic, um, in St. Paul, we have over 100 uh, languages and dialects spoken, which means a really diverse student population, which means a lot of taste buds are different than the traditional hamburger and french fry and hot dog uh, American uh, cuisine, as it were. Um, so that also offers uh, opportunities for us in the school nutrition programs to introduce a variety of menus and choices and appeal to a broader range of tastes. For a lot of students, you are the best meal that they will see in a day. Well, there's no question that our program was designed to address issues of hunger uh, and nutrition, and we're doing that every day. We do have situations where kids are, you know, we may we may be having kids come to school that haven't had a meal over the weekend or didn't have a meal the night before. So certainly we have a very important role when it comes to hunger issues. Talk about the challenges of some of the changes that have been asked to be implemented. What difficulties are happening with school districts across the country? I think, in, you know, I relate to our own school district. Um, you know, we were, we are, and continue to be responsible for having a financially viable program within our school district. Uh, none of us want to be taking money from the general fund, which, of course, supports what's happening in the classroom. Uh, so with the reimbursements we receive and the money that we get from uh, maybe our state, from government commodities, plus student payments, our goal is to be able to pay for food, labor, supplies, and, of course, indirect costs. Uh, we pay workers' comp. We pay health insurance. We buy our own equipment. Uh, utilities, custodial support. So all of those things at the end of the day are the responsibility of the business of school food. And, you know, whenever changes to the meal pattern happen, um, we have to take a look at the impact on the bottom line. And so for us, 
what, what the changes are that we're looking for are going to help get us more towards a balance of ensuring that we still have healthy meals, but we're able to operate our programs uh, fiscally responsibly and have attractive meals that appeal to our kids so that our participation uh, is where it needs to be. Um, just like any restaurant, mom and pop shop that has a restaurant, um, you spread those uh, fixed costs over a number of customers. If that customer base declines, we have challenges. So we're no different than any other restaurant. We need students to participate in our meal programs. And how has participation, what has been the pattern of participation? Well, under the new standards, we have 1.4 million fewer children choosing school lunch each day. And we saw uh, that decline in St. Paul. Of course, we're grateful now that we've been able to put in community eligibility at 40 of our schools. So we're seeing, because meals are offered at no cost to our students in those 40 schools, we're seeing participation grow. When we look at the Senate Agriculture Committee recently approving a reauthorization of the child nutrition language, this has been a long effort with regard to compromise largely between the ranking member, Ms. Stabenow, and the chair, Mr. Roberts. What was the issue between the two of them, and what guidance has the SNA been providing? Well, we were really pleased to work collaboratively with USDA to craft what we consider to be practical solutions that are going to help our school nutrition professionals across the country improve school meals for our students. Um, some of the things that are compromises, as, as it were, are whole grains. Um, it was that 100% of all of our items needed to be whole grain rich. Uh, this agreement allows us to be at 80%. Just sort of in a simple terms, it means that one day a week, um, a school district in the south may offer a white biscuit. Uh, someone in Arizona may be able to offer a white tortilla shell for St. Paul. It might be sticky rice for uh, a population of Asian students that we have. Uh, so that allows us some exceptions to appeal to diverse student tastes regional preferences, and especially for us creative folks, we love to be able to uh, create new recipes, make things interesting for our students. What's the challenge of the 100% whole grains? I mean, are there enough products available to be able to satisfy that? Yeah, well, we are seeing more and more products become whole grain rich. Um, so I think industry is certainly slowly getting to a place where those those products are available, and they're doing what they can to provide you know, items that kids really like. But there's some products that just the quality is not there. I think pasta is a great example of it's a pretty hard sell to get our kids to eat whole grain pastas in some parts of this country. Most would have agreed that the the standard toward reduced sodium has been a plus, but there were also plenty of concerns about the next tier of reductions. How did this language compromise, and does this provide the flexibility that some districts had looked for? Well, what I would say is we've all taken great strides in reducing sodium to meet target one, um, and that's been since July of 2014. Uh, but we have, we've been talking about the fact that the later sodium targets are going to push many healthy options uh, aside. Um, that might be low-fat deli sandwiches, soups, salads. Uh, partly with salads, it's because of the uh, dressing. And part of the issue with that is that there are there's a lot of naturally occurring sodium in food, such as milk and cheese and others, including bread. We're concerned that further reductions are going to result in fewer stu- students purchasing healthy school meals because of flavor profile. So under this agreement, we gain another two years to be able to reach target two limits. 
So we're certainly looking for industry uh, to take a look at what products are out there and see what science can do to try to get those products uh, to a place where kids will be accepting of them. So the Target 2 standards then have been pushed back for two years, but there's also a review. There's a review. So in 2019, a study will need to be conducted to determine whether scientific research supports that final sodium limit, which is slated for July of 2022, Um, whether companies will be able to actually prepare foods that are going to meet those limits, and also what have been the impacts of Target 2 limits on our student participation, cost, safety. Of course, food safety is an issue when sodium is involved, and just an overall you know, what has, what has this level of sodium created for challenges or benefits? Fruits and vegetables addressed in this compromise language, and, and prior to this uh, being approved by the Senate Agriculture Committee, a lot of districts saying, you know, we're required to provide these things, and they're required to make sure the student picks it up, but they're also seeing a lot of waste. That is a big challenge of school food operators. Um, what, what the compromise provides is really a look at how we can get a national consensus on uh, salad bars and sharing tables. There is, at least what we have seen in St. Paul, and I believe other districts have as well, is we offer a choice bar where students come through the cafeteria line and they can select a little bit of this and a little bit of that off of a, a choice bar. So what appeals to them? It might be a couple slices of apples. It might be a couple of baby carrots, uh, some romaine lettuce, which equals that that half cup serving that kids are required to take. Uh, Not every school district is allowed to offer a salad bar or a choice bar, and that's because local health department rules may not allow for that. Um, So we're hoping that through working with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and USDA collaboratively can provide the guidance for local governments confirming the safety of and encouraging the use of salad bars. Sharing tables is another thing that's very beneficial to reduce food waste. Students come through the line, and if they did need to pick up something that they didn't intend to eat uh, or drink, maybe a carton of milk or a um, cup of peaches, that kind of thing, they can put it as long as it's a wrapped item on a table past the point of sale, past the cashier, and that can be picked up by another student. So another hungry student or someone that's thirsty can just grab it and go so it doesn't end up in the trash can. A a number of school districts suggested that they are financially challenged and to be appropriating money or at least to be coming up with funds to provide these additional fruits and the vegetables to the letter of the law, uh, it's putting them over budget. And if the student's not eating the product, I think that's where the source of some who were calling for compromise, that was their source. You know, I think the issue of money is is of great concern. We have requested an increase of federal reimbursement rate for school meals to help offset the higher cost of meeting these nutrition standards. Unfortunately, there aren't additional funds that are being made available to support our programs. So these compromises, these items of flexibility will hopefully help us plan school meals that are going to appeal to our students. Would we want more? Of course. Do we need additional resources? Absolutely. As we were looking at the language of the reauthorizing text, Ms. Obama and Ms. Davidow suggested they did not want to go backwards on all the strides that had been made. Does the Senate compromise language? Does it maintain the strides 
that have been made, and does it give opportunity for growth? We have had a waiver in place for sodium and for whole grains. Uh, we're in the second year of that. Um, so I don't see that we're going backwards by any means um, as we really were in a holding pattern at um, current sodium level and also the 50% whole grain rich products. Um, I don't envision or see that St. Paul or any other district is uh, going to be doing anything but ensuring that kids are getting healthy, tasty food that they consume. And of course, if kids don't eat the food, it is not healthy. Um, I think that's really key from uh, an operator's perspective that our goal is to make foods that kids are excited about that happen to be healthy. That needs to be our message. That needs to be what ultimately happens each day in every school across this country, that we're paying attention to making sure that food is healthy, but also tasty and consumed. Were there other areas with regard to finances that will help some districts? Well, folks would be probably shocked if they if they knew how expensive food service equipment was. And this bill does establish some equipment grants and loan assistance. In addition to that, there is a five-year administrative review cycle that's certainly going to help overburdened state agencies. Um, and that, of course, helps us as well, um, having a longer review period. It certainly takes time to prepare for any of those reviews. Another piece that our folks have been asking for is easing the paid lunch equity mandate. And what that means for schools is if you happen to have that positive fund balance, then why have to? Why would you have to raise prices for paid students? Um, and why that's important is at some point, just like in a restaurant, we may get to a point where we're pushing that price to a point where uh, families won't participate. And again, having that high participation by all of our students or the highest population uh, participation possible helps with that financial bottom line. So that will also provide some relief for our school districts that are able, have a positive fund balance, would allow them to keep those prices low. If you had the pen and the legal pad to write this language as it would be, what would you keep from the compromise or what are other areas that you would want to either include or exclude? There is no question that our ask of 35 cents per meal would be top of mind. Um, we do so much with so little money. Our school nutrition professionals out there are doing an amazing job with a little bit of cash they have to produce healthy meals that appeal to such a wide variety of students. And they do it with passion. They love their work. They love the students that they serve. Um, Without that additional money, my concern is that we aren't able to buy the equipment. We're not able to hire the uh, talented staff that we need to continue to do such a great piece of great work for our kids. If you were able to see the additional 35 cents, what would you be able to provide that you can't now? 35 cents gets us to a place where we have the money to operate our programs effectively. That means being able to buy the equipment that we need, being able to buy the highest quality products that we need, being able to get the staff that we need. So we're, we've really seen a backslide. If you think about, we receive six cents for lunch reimbursement 
as part of Healthy Hunger for Kids Act, but that was for um, lunch only. And we need to remember that these uh, regulations were also in place for breakfast. So with costs going up and additional expectations for more costly products, fruits and vegetables, a variety of fruits and vegetables, whole grain items, um, we just are, we're sliding backwards. And it means that districts are making some choices that we wouldn't necessarily want them to make in order to stay at a, at a break-even point or not dip into that general fund. It seems that if the school nutrition, the school cafeteria is playing such a large role in the nutrition of some students that you would want to expand the amount of breakfasts that are available. Breakfast expansion, I think we're seeing more and more school districts take on breakfast, recognizing that for kids to start off their day well, it means they need to have had the nutrition to succeed in school. I know in St. Paul we've seen a tripling of our breakfast participation over the ever since we offered breakfast to go or students come through the cafeteria or through the hallway and pick up items and head to the classroom. So we'll continue to see an expansion of breakfast. It's such an important meal. Of course, we're seeing supper programs as well expanded, especially in areas that um, that's needed. We've got school districts that are offering backpack programs, recognizing the hunger issues that are out there in school districts. So a lot of efforts being made uh, to ensure that our kids are taken care of. Jean, one of the other questions about the compromise is in regard to the a la carte menu and what's available. Are there compromises here that can be beneficial? I think there, it's certainly going to help, but it is still a struggle for many school districts. Um, Smart snacks and school regulations that were effect, began in July 2014 severely limited the items that we could sell in a la carte lines. Um, there are items that we no longer can sell. It might be a whole grain pizza or a salad, of course, because of the sodium piece around um, salad dressings, or hummus with a side of whole grain pretzels, for example. Revenue from all cart sales has been critical to many of our school districts being able to offset the higher cost of meeting regulations. So this agreement will establish an informal working group designed really to examine the impact of the restrictions and recommend to USDA a list, an expanded list of nutrient-dense food exceptions for the a la carte sales. And that might be hummus, that might be hard-boiled eggs, it might be uh, salads because of the salad dressing. And that report would be due within 30 days of enactment of the new law. So we, would, we are hoping for... Um, a list that will make it easier for school districts to sell extra items to kids that are nutritious and appealing to kids. Because as you probably know, there are kids that need additional calories during the day, and there are many nutritious foods that may have more saturated fat or sodium naturally in them, but they're still great foods that we want our kids to have access to. Let's talk about the timetable. Obviously, this child nutrition reauthorization is overdue. It's been through now the Senate Agriculture Committee, the full chamber yet to see it. And what are the House of Representatives? Well, you bring up a a great point. Uh, The next steps really are the full Senate must vote on today's bill. And we've not heard when that vote will be scheduled. On the House side, we hear that they are crafting their own bill, which is not identical to the Senate legislation. We don't know yet when it will be reduced, but when it does, it'll have to go, of course, through that same procedure as the Senate, a committee markup and a vote and then a full House vote. 
The conference committee will be assigned to resolve the differences between the bills, followed, of course, by Senate and House votes on the conference report. We want Congress to move quickly to pass CNR legislation, and we want to continue to work with our members to identify ways to strengthen legislation and support school meal programs. Gene, at some point, the House does pick up this particular language. What communication have you had with leadership there, and how do you expect that they will address the needs of child nutrition? Well, I know we have had conversations with the House. We have been advocating for our ask for some time. Um, I believe the House is is aware and um, in support of many of the issues that school nutrition operators um, have and are facing. Um, we're very, very hopeful that our message is heard, that we care about kids, we care about healthy meals, we're doing everything we can to produce those healthy foods that kids are excited about and at the same time uh, make economic sense for us. Well, Gene Ronnie, we want to thank you so much for spending time with us here on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and you have the floor. Jeff, I really appreciate you, uh, your questions, and being willing to take on this topic with us at SNA. We're excited. We love our work, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to listen to the perspective of school nutrition professionals. Our thanks to Gene Ronnie, president of the School Nutrition Association, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.